Welcome to the Student of the Game Fire Podcast with your host, Danny B. Today's guest is Chris Goforth, 21 years of combined volunteer and career experience. A captain on Rescue One in Mooresville, North Carolina. Chris loves being in the middle of the action on the fire ground, whether it's riding in the back or sitting in that right front seat. One of my favorite quotes from Captain Goforth is to learn to control things within the four walls of your firehouse. Anything else is just noise. With that, I present Mr. Chris Goforth. Hey, my name is Chris Goforth. I'm with uh, Mooresville Fire and Rescue in Mooresville, North Carolina. Um, kind of the way I got into the fire service is a little different than a lot of, a lot of guys did. Um, started in the volunteer world as a, as a junior member. My dad was a, a member there, currently still is with the volunteer department here, uh, here in Statesville, North Carolina. We um, kind of followed him around a little bit growing up running calls and stuff like that. And then um, I was, we had a farm. I was raised on a farm. Um, I know a lot of guys that, that get into this business, you know, my dad was a fireman kind of thing. And then I want to follow in his footsteps, but both my grandfathers were farmers and I thought that was kind of the dig I was going to go for. And it kind of, um, I went that direction. I went to NC state, got a degree in agriculture um, still volunteered on my weekends and stuff like that home from college, got, a uh, several different jobs, bounced back and forth in agriculture related, uh, field. And, um, I kind of got into some classes at night in the volunteer department. I started talking to those guys and they were like, you know, we get paid to kind of do this and we work 24, 48 and we're off two days and we sleep there. And I was like, that's a pretty good gig. So, um, went at nights, got my firefighter one and two, and then started applying. And I really, the first place I applied at in Statesville, I got a job offer there, um, went to work there in 2002 and kind of loved every minute of it. And then, um, I kind of saw the growth in Mooresville and what was going on there. Loved working at Statesville. Loved going to the fires there. Um, that was pretty regular, but I saw the chance of advancement and the future there. So in 04, I applied in uh, Mooresville. Uh, didn't get hired the first time, but second time around, I got hired. Um, got a job there and been there ever since. So it's been a journey, but kind of got started late in my career. Uh, I, get, I got hired when I was 26. I know a lot of guys get started younger, but I got started, you know, a little bit later, but it took me a little while to figure out my path, I guess would be a better term. Um, got married when um, I was on the job. So that's kind of all my wife's known. So yeah, we, we landed like that. Okay. All right. Um, so just because me and you work for the same department, I'm going to reword this question a little bit. Okay. Uh, what would you say the culture is like within your station and you being the officer there? Um, how do you kind of cultivate that? So, um, throughout my career, we've kind of had, I've been in, 
in in the rescue side of things with the exception of being um an engineer at an outline station but i've been kind of when i was at station two as a firefighter and senior firefighter um i was kind of in the rescue side of things and with with a group of like-minded guys on the rescue kind of side with my captains that i come up with um and then when i made captain coming back to to the rescue world um you know, not to say that it's kind of a different, but um, we look at a lot of different aspects of stuff. So when when I became a captain on a rescue, that uh, the culturally, as far as inside our station and what happens inside our walls, I've always been, since I made captain, I've been in a two-piece house. So we've had an engine and a ladder there. Um, there for a while, I was the captain over both trucks when I was at two until we they promoted and made captains for the latter as well. But, uh, you know, a lot of times in the fire service, we get kind of hung up on what's happening outside, what we're doing, um, what's going on in other areas, other realms that, you know, we really don't have a whole lot of control over. And we can control ourselves. And, and you know, and I can't control, per se, the people that I work with, but I can influence them. So, if we can stay on a positive note in our station, um, on our truck, you know, keep the guys engaged in what we're doing is huge. You know, and I, me and you have had the conversation before that, you know, we can't control everything, but we can control ourselves. And a lot of times that aspect is going to, people are going to see that. Um, and in turn, they're going to look at, they're going to look at you in a positive or a negative light, you know, there's a lot of people that might not be big fans of Chris Goforth, but um, I think deep down, if they sat down with me and had a chat, they, you know, I could win them over. But, you know, that's that's the whole thing. I've been surrounded since I've been a captain with with good good folks. They <clears throat> they wanted to be there. They wanted to to do the job, um, and that's made my job per se easier. Um, because we all have the kind of the same mindset. You know, we get those those folks in there that sometimes that are a little bit harder to read, um, but we can control, you know, if if the, the group is mindsets in one way, um, in most cases they're going to buy in. They're going you know, to see what we're doing and go, hey, man, that's, that's working out for those guys. So um, that's a big part of it. And encouraging your people, you know, you can't downgrade them. Um, that's a that's a big part of what they're doing. Encourage them to learn. Encourage them to to step outside their their box a little bit and learn something else. Um, and make make training fun. Make it something they want to do. And you know, we're 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 decently busy, so that's a big thing for us. Is we're all the time doing something. So we don't have a whole lot of downtime and that that's big on keeping firefighters engaged, I think. Um, and keeps, keeps their spirits up. If you're, you get firefighters that sit around and get a lot of time to think and chat and talk to others that kind of can spin them the wrong way too. Right. Absolutely. Okay. Um, so pretty much, and and like I said, you like you said, you, we've talked about this before. I remember you telling me um, your your kind of mantra is you can only control 
trying to, I don't want to butcher how you said it, but you can control only what you can control within the four walls of your firehouse. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, hopefully it, it can spread outside of our four, four walls of the, the building or, I mean, the four doors of our truck, you know, um, being the, the rescue guys per se, we, we catch some flack, you know, um, but hopefully what we're doing, people can look at it and go, Hey, you know, Captain G's crew, you know, look what they're doing today. Let's go out and try that, you know, inspire somebody to do something a little bit, a little bit out of their norm per se. That's not what they normally do. Um, it, you know, we can't per se, I don't want to say I want to influence people to, to do something not, you know, what they, they want to do, but if you try it, you may like it. Mm-hmm. And it may be something that you want to do in the future. So, you know, we'll get guys to come around our truck and they're like, man, we didn't know y'all did this or we didn't know you did that, you know. And they've never been in a two-piece house or they've never been around a ladder truck and stuff like that. So it um, they get timed out to our station and, you know, they get enlightened a little bit on what we do out there. Is, you know, not so we do anything different than any other fire companies do, but, you know, we – uh I've got a new guy on my truck. I haven't had a new guy in a long time. And that's been good for me because like going back and refreshing and teaching basics and stuff like that straight out of his, you know, he's riding with us straight out of rookie school. That's been good too. It's good for my crew too. Cause you know, right now, you know, we've got senior folks pretty much at our station. So seeing new folks, new faces and interacting with them is huge too. No, definitely is for sure. Um, what would you say keeps you personally invested to stay positive and loving this job? Because we all know it's it's, it's an ebb and flow. You know, like well, we're gonna have times where we're disgruntled. We just we're just in a funk, and then we have that moment where it's like, hey, you know, we really do have a good here. Let's make the best of it. Absolutely, and that's that's the thing. Um, we get we get in we can get in a rut. You know, I sat in a class several years ago and I was a young captain at the time and, and uh Jeff Richardson was teaching it and he was like, you know, you're gonna hit a moment in your career where you're gonna feel like you hit a wall and you don't think you're going up, down, sideways. Um, and you're gonna get in a rut. And he said, Nobody knows where that's gonna be at, where you're what time in your career that's gonna happen. And and literally, I think that landed with me a few years back. I got into that rut, and it was – I always loved coming to work, but I got into the space in my brain or something, and I was like, you know, something's not right. And then it's kind of crazy because I got, I got sick at that time and um, never been in a hospital in my life, and then, boom, one day I'm sick. Mm-hmm. And – spent 20 days in a hospital, um, long recovery. And then I come back and I'm like, you know, I'm pretty blessed to be doing what we're doing, you know, um, just to be in that, that mindset where, you know, we have it pretty good. You know, when when we look around and what we've got going on, um, yeah, days can suck more than others, but you know, we have a pretty good, pretty good gig. And, we have to 
we have to lift each other up. You know, it's it um to to be where we're at in our service and our department. Um, you know, we look at other guys, and you know, you always say, "Well, the grass is you know greener on the other side." But sometimes you got to fertilize your own. Um, you know, you got to sow that seed where we're at, and and hope it takes, and somebody will take from it and go with it. Yeah, no, you're definitely right about that. Grass isn't always greener uh, on the other side. Um, I have some friends that, you know, have left to go to different places and behind the doors, when you talk to them privately, it's like, Hey man, how you doing? They're like, you know, it's, it's good, but I kind of wish I, I didn't leave, you know, like, yes, this department has such and such X, Y, Z than this one. But, you know, sometimes it's the guys now, like, you know, I miss the guys or the girls. I miss the, the small town feel of how, how, how we are yeah. because every fireman knows or should know, them by their names you know we're, we're not just a number yeah absolutely and that's and i've got you we probably have the mutual friends and some others too that that went other places and it may not even be into the fire service they went into a different line of work right and they're like you know i, I kind of i missed that a little bit you know i've told several of them hey there's nothing saying you can't come back you know if you know we all have different seasons in our life and we can always look back and go you know but try not to regret what you did you know you can you can make it right you know there's nothing saying you can't keep doing this career per se um when they when they do that and i you know, i get those guys that they talk about other departments and yeah i mean there's great departments we all have goods and bads but you know you got to find the one that fits you and you know morse has always been the one that's kind of fit me per se is where i want to be at and um that small town hometown 30 minute drive to work still make the kid ball games you know that kind mm -hmm. of stuff yeah that's that's pretty huge to me okay all right uh what are your ultimate goals whether it's short term or long term well my biggest goal when i come to morris was i always you know i want to be a captain i want to be but I also loved riding back the truck. So that was kind of, I do not like driving. I know there's a lot of guys out there that thinks <laughs> the engineer, the the senior, you know, the relief driver, that's, you know, good stuff. And, you know, I didn't mind it, but that wasn't my gig. I either wanted to be, I wanted to be inside. I didn't want to be standing in the yard watching. Um, you know, not to discredit, I've had some great engineers and great relief officers and stuff like that, but that just wasn't my, my gig. I kind of wanted to be, either inside doing it or, you know, being that officer um, inside doing it or, you know, and I, I kind of always wanted to aspire to be a captain. Um, and a lot of folks thought that I made captain quick in my career um, and then to be assigned with a two piece house and being over two trucks and stuff like that, you know, not say it wasn't a challenge, but, it, you know, um, I learned a lot from that. Um you know, and, and lifelong or, you know, short-term, long-term goals, you know, I don't want to say that I'm plateaued, I'm where I'm at, but, you know, I always thought that I'd like to retire out as battalion chief, um, you know, and, and one side of me still thinks that, the other side of me wants, you know, I got a brand new rescue truck, I want to ride that out for, I've got about eight more years, ride that out till I'm, till I'm done, um, you know, God willing to my body holds up and everything else, you know, some days I wake up a little sore than I did the day before, but, um, 
but I, I kind of always aspired to be a battalion. Um, you know, I, I think a battalion, those guys, you know, when I talk to the, the, the chiefs that we have and they talk about the role that it is, um, I think that's a very influential job to the companies. You know, our, our battalions, you know, they can get stretched thin right now with seven companies. Right. Um, and it, it's hard sometimes for them to make the rounds and get to see the guys. And, um, you know, I've worked under you know my third battalion chief right now since I've been captain. And, you know, it's got a little bit more stress, a little bit more tax on those guys. Um, but I think it's also a great spot to be when you've got the battalion that's involved in what the companies are doing. When they're, you see a battalion chief at the training grounds or you see a battalion chief in that turnout gear or that air pack, um, not just in a car coming around, you know, delivering mail or, or sitting and chatting, you know, sit down and have a cup of coffee, have a meal, whatever with the, with the crews. Um, I think personally as a, as a company officer, that's huge to see that, um, mindset as a, as a battalion, not to separate yourself from them, but get out there and see them. And like I said, seeing them on the training grounds is huge because if, if you got a crew that struggles on the training grounds, they're probably going to struggle on a fire. Mm-hmm. Um, so we can fix the, we can, we can, get the kinks out a little bit better on the training grounds. If the battalion sees what they're doing, um, you know, that job doesn't solely rely on the, the training officer, the training captain, whoever it might be. Um, you know, it falls on the captain as much as anybody seeing his crew and evaluating them and seeing where their weaknesses and their strong parts are. And as company officers, we look at that and we go, okay, we know that, you know, this guy's good at this, or we know this girl's good at that. This one struggles at this. This is their weakness. Um, and we, we can fix that kind of stuff. But when the battalion sees it and those roles play out on a fire ground or whatever the scene might be, wreck, you know, hazmat rescue, whatever it might be, um, that's, that's huge for a battalion to know which companies there's going to be his standouts to, to go to, you know, these guys are good at this per se. Um, you know, we've got the guys that are, great at stretching lines and they're going to be jam up every time. Um, you know, we got guys that is going to throw the ladders and cut the holes and do what they need to do and get the job done. Um, but I think, you know, and for morale and picking folks up to see that, that person out there. And I think that's, that's one of the main reasons I kind of aspire to be a battalion someday to, to, uh, be able to do that. You know, um, I know right now it's hard in our, in our department for, for, our chiefs to do that, but I think that's huge for, for that. And that's kind of where I want to aspire to be. Um, going much further. I, I really don't, I'm kind of a shift guy. I don't foresee me being an eight to fiver. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, one point in my career, maybe, um, you know, I did apply for a training officer job one time. Um, I think the Lord decided that's where I didn't need to be at. So kept me at shift work. So, um, yeah, I think that's, that's worked out for the best for me, but yeah, someday I might want to be a battalion for a roll out the doors. Okay. All right. Um, in your opinion, what key elements or factors do you think are needed to make a good firefighter regardless of rank? I'm glad you threw that in regardless of rank. It doesn't matter who you are. If you're in our line of work, um, you gotta, you gotta keep that focus. You got to have your ears open. You got to listen and learn. Um, I know you just went to that class in Tennessee. 
Um, that looked like a, a great class, a great group of folks to be around. And um, whether you're the new guy on the truck on the first day or the older, you know, and I'm speaking to myself when I say this, you got to get out and learn different things. You know, you know, if you know your limitations and you push those limitations, um, that's going to make you better in, in a, the whole realm of things. So, you know, when, when we're talking about what's going to make a better firefighter, um, listening and learning, you know, we, we always, you hear firefighters say, um, you never stop learning kind of thing. It's always something new. It's always something different. Um, fire is fire. Fire hasn't changed tremendously um, in my in my career, but what's changed is the science behind the fire. When we look at how we study fires and how they grow and how they impact um, us as firefighters, build materials and stuff like that, um, you know, we've got to stay on the forefront of that kind of stuff to make us better. You know, continuing to learn, not get stagnant. And I think that's where I was a few years ago. I was becoming stagnant. I was getting to that point where, you know, I didn't want to do. And I, I quickly changed that mindset. And I've, you, you still got to – our job is evolving regardless of what, you know, what we say. There's different stuff, different things happening every day, different ways to do it. Um, some may work for you. Some may not. But we've got to continually keep that focus on – uh, maintaining that that level of knowing what we're doing because we all see those guys that get out on the training grounds and they they struggle because they're rusty and I you know I get it um, I'm kind of blessed because of the training centers in my my backyard um, and our first due so we can go up there anytime but those companies that you know want to get there and want to train uh, I don't think they should ever be discouraged from doing that um, and let them out there, let them do. But also, you know, you got to get creative sometimes. Um, you know, when you look at your own first do, where, what's some spots we can train at? What's some stuff that we can do just in our first do and, and uh, be a little better at knowing our area and stuff like that. It, like I said, you got to get creative. Okay. Um, what's your, I'm going to kind of throw you a little curveball here. What's your thoughts uh, on the buddy to boss uh, mentality? You know how like you have some people that say, if you're a company officer, you, you can't really be a friend to your crew. Like you have to, it, it's, it's gotta be one or the other. You can't have it both ways. What's your thoughts on that? So I think you can. I think there's a fine line, but I think you can. Um, it's funny you and um, young in my career, I had some guys that you know they would uh, they would push the envelope, you know, kind of thing. Um, one young man, he decided that one morning he had slept a little late, and he called me and he's like, "Hey, hey, Cap, um, I slept late." And this was his second time. I give him a gimme. And this is his second time. And he was like, I slept late again, man. I'm, I'm going to come on. I'll be in quick as I can. I said, we got – I said, that's fine. I said, we got a full truck. 
take your time to get here. And he's like, man, I appreciate that. And I, that's, I appreciate it. And I was like, come on in, take your time, you know, but when we get, when you get here, we're going to take care of some paperwork. So he wanted to kind of buddy me for a minute, but I had to be his boss, mm-hmm. right? He's still, he still has an obligation to, to be at work. Um, and, you know, I kind of have the, you know, we'll have a cookout or we'll go, you know, we'll go out and do things together. But your crew has to know that when when things are happening and events of the day, whether it's the scheduling regular things or on the scene, who's still in charge? Right. And your company understands that. Um, I think it works way better. And I, I've kind of ran – my crews since I've been an officer that kind of same way we've we've come to me talk to me whatever you need but I will I'm your friend but I'm also you know your supervisor you're you know I'm in charge of you per se um so when you know when it hits the fan I'm going to call the shots right wrong or indifferent I'll own them but um you know seven days a week, 365 days a year, you can give me a call and mm-hmm. and whatever we need to talk about, we'll talk about. So I think if you keep that relationship with your firefighters, it just plays out better. If you try to, to thumb firefighters and keep them under your thumb and not let them think for themselves or you're not their friend, you're not the one you can talk to, you don't know their wife and kids names, you know, that kind of stuff. Um, that kind of makes things awkward around the firehouse. Right. And I think it's, it pays dividends to, to be that buddy. So they understand who the boss is, I guess would, would be a better term. Okay. All right. Uh, since you are, since you are an officer, I, I do ask uh, some, a couple officer questions. Um, first one is, do you think communication amongst the ranks is a must for a department to be successful? Absolutely. From I've, I think anybody will say that, you know, from bottom to top, from top to bottom. But I think the problem is, is if you receive that email um, from from wherever, it's in black and white. You may not understand the intent or the, the background behind that email. And I think that a lot of times that's where things get messed up in di- excuse me, messed up in dialogue. You know, when we, I read an email and it's always, you know, you'll get those assessment center questions, you know, the chief wants you to, to, um, tell this, your company, this is an SOG you have to follow. You might not like it. You may like it, you know, but how about, and it's kind of cool with us being a smaller department. Um, if I get the understanding of why we have this coming down the pipe, you know, type deal. Mm-hmm. I think that makes things a hundred times easier um, for me to explain it to my crew or company. You know, when I see it, when you get an updated policy or procedure or guideline and you look at it and you go, well, you know, I don't know why they're doing this. Or you get that backlash from the other guys, you know, that are a little bit disgruntled and they don't like it. But if you, if, you know, if we talk to whoever decided that that needed to happen and figure out the why that, that's huge. So, you know, fortunately I've had 
chiefs, battalion chiefs around me that have been open and up front. And when stuff are, is happening or going on, you know, and we have questions, you know, he'll get us answers or he'll direct us to where we need to be. Um, you know, several, I don't remember which assessment center it was that, that I was uh, in, but I actually, and I think you might have been on the department at the time, I created a, a survey and sent out to the whole department on communications. And, you know, anonymous, fill out the, the survey on communication. And I used that data from from the guys in the department and girls on this is what they want. You know, how can we make it better <clears throat> from top to bottom uh, as far as dialogue between us? How can we communicate better with each other? You know, the fire chief is, you know, it's a difficult job to get out there and talk to every company, you know, and explain his reasoning. Uh, and, and, you know, a lot of cases he doesn't, he doesn't have to. He's the fire chief. It's his ultimate decision. But if we understand why, a lot of times it makes it easier for company officers or battalion chiefs to, to get the crews to buy into a lot of things. So um, in the way you portray your communications, too, is huge, you know. My wife, I think, sometimes is my my biggest critic, and sometimes you she'll she'll tell me straight up, you know, you you sound like you're coming across as an ass, and I'm like, yes, ma'am. I'll try to fix my tone or the way I'm, you know, I'm spitting something out. But um, I've learned that over my my time that you know the way we communicate with each other, um, whether it's to our family or to our coworkers, you know, that's that's huge on how people understand what's happening and getting the, the full aspect of what's going on. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I feel like certain people can, you, you can send an email with, without ill, ill intent and the way it's read or however it's looked at can be the total opposite from what you were trying to accomplish. And absolutely, you know, it's one of those things. It's like, Hey, if such and such sends an email and the, the reader reads it wrong, it's like, what's the deal here? Like, I, I didn't mean any ill intent behind it, but um, I do feel Absolutely. like you. No, go ahead. You get that. You'll get that passionate person that sends that email, you know, to somebody, and it's it's conveyed wrong. You know, right. they have the best of intent on what they want to do, and they're passionate about whatever that subject matter is, but somebody, you know somebody may relay or take it in as a, it's arrogance or, you know, is somebody trying to push their way into something or something like that. And in most cases, that's not the case. You know, they're, they're just, um, they have a passion for something and it just, you know, in a lot of cases come out wrong. Right. Yeah. But I, I, I do like the fact that you, you stated that the why needs to be mentioned. You can't, to me, you just can't send out an email going, this is the new whatever, period, send. Like, right. a lot of people want to know the why behind it, especially this new generation of firefighters, even myself included. I am one of those where I want to know why. Why are we doing it this way? What's the purpose? Right. I, and that's what I was going to say that, you know, and I hate to use the generational stuff, but there is a generational type thing that, that goes on. Um, you know, and I've, I've got the folks around me and work with me that are of my generation. And, you know, we I've got different generations around me and the understanding, you know, you can, you can be that hard nosed person and go, well, 
you're brand new, you've got six months on the job, it doesn't matter what you think kind of thing. Or you explain it to them and they go, this is why we're going to do this. And this is going to be the outcome of why we do this. You know, they're going to be way more receptive and way more uh, reluctant to push against anything that we're doing um, on a department or a company level to, to make things happen. Yeah. Yeah. No, absolutely. Absolutely correct. All right. My last one for you <clears throat> or officer question. Do you think or do you believe your opinion in order to affect change, you must promote within your department? Yes and no. I think there's there's some folks that are jam up in the back of the truck and they can change the mindset of the guy in the back, guy or girl in the back of the truck um, just by their actions. You know, when you've got those senior guys that haven't promoted for whatever reason that are riding in the back of the truck, you know, that can be monumental to a, to a firefighter's career. They look at that person and go, you know what? You know, he's rode in the back of the truck for 20 years and knows his job inside and out. And he can affect change right there in the back of that truck. And then, you know, other guys are looking at me, you know, you know, look what he can do just being right there. Because, you know, I've had that. I've I've had those senior guys that haven't promoted that are that are there and they the way they carry themselves, um, their work ethic, all that stuff is huge. Um would they make great officers? I think in you know, yes. Um and then when you've got that officer platform, I don't wanna say that you have a bigger, you know, audience that you're speaking with but you know um as a new officer coming up you know i I probably spoke out of turn a few times and i learned when to to hold my tongue but um promoting i enjoy and i love seeing the right people being promoted Mm -hmm. for the right reasons um that's huge you know when you go into and you look at promotions and you look at, you know, and every department does promotions differently. Um, You know, when you go in and look at, it's hard for me to judge person to be promoted off of two or three days of people that really don't know you coming in and telling you that you're promotable, not promotable type person. I think that uh, when we look at the person, you look at the whole The, um, you know, and I, you know, I think it's great that other departments that we bring in other departments. And I know a lot of places bring in other folks to come in and do assessment centers mm-hmm. per se, but that person doesn't know you, doesn't know your heart, doesn't know your work ethic, doesn't know what you've done in your career per se, with the exception of a resume laying there in front of them. And again, that's black and white. That's, that's what they read of you. Um, but when you sit down and you look at what that person has, has done or doesn't or hasn't done, I think that ought to be a, a huge part of, of promotions too, you know. Um, and those people 
that have kind of been on a back burner and they've been great firefighters, but they don't assess well per se. They struggle in that moment. Um, and I've been an assessor on the other side of the table and I've seen those, those folks and I know that they're, they're good people. Um, and I know they know how to do the job, but I've always taught my folks that, um, if you have to study for a test, practice just tirelessly on an assessment center, you may not be ready to promote. You know, if, if that is your full function of, of advancement is an assessment center and a written test, do you really know the job enough to go to that next step in doing the job? Um, and a lot of times, you know, fortunately for our department, we're kind of starting to see that the way we're doing assessment centers. Um, you know, you can create a robot in an assessment center. Mm-hmm. They, you, you, a lot of times you can't, if you don't think outside the box when, when there's a curveball thrown at you, like you're going to have in the real on the scene, um, that's huge. You know, I want to know what you're, what you're thinking when you're saying these, you know, verbalizing what you're, you're saying and what's your mindset between what you're doing. Um, and then, you know, that makes me think we're promoting the right people when they have an understanding of what they're doing. You know, just going through the motions is one thing. You know, I've been fortunate in my career. Twice I've had my entire crew get promoted. It's good and it's bad because I've lost those folks. Um, in some instances, some of, us, well, some of them just bumped up on the truck. But, you know, I worked with those folks. I saw what they were. Um, and I encouraged them to be that person to be promoted and work through that, you know, that next step of, you know, whatever it might be, whether it be a driver or a company officer, um, whatever help they needed, you know, even after, you know, if they got promoted. Um, and I think that's huge too, is promoting the person that, that can make that change in a department for the positive. Um, but also leading people in the right direction when they get that promotion to make that change. Um, you know, you don't work so hard to get promoted and then just sit back. Don't go sit down in the chair and watch TV. You know, you worked hard to get promoted. Um, be that person that went out for promotion to your crew, um, to your, to your company, to the shift, to the department, you know, um, don't just, you know, I mean, you can tell the folks that come into an assessment center unprepared and, you know, that's, that's work ethic. In my opinion, um, they thought they put in enough work, you know, so do they really need that promotion? Do they need to be in that position type deal? And, and some places, it, you know, it may not be a popular statement, but sometimes you just got to say, you're not promotable right now. You've got to go back and work on A, B, and C. And that's got to be, Back to the communication, that's got to be conveyed to that person. This is where you struggled at. You know, this is where you lacked at. This is what we need to work on um, to to better yourself for the next time around. You know, just because the department has a position open, I know it may seem simple, but is it the best outcome for the department, the shift, the battalion, you know, whoever it might be, to put a position person in there and go, well, once we get them in there, we'll train them. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and that's, there's becoming a company officer 
you there's some training that you that you need um after you get that 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 part of it you know we're great at training people to for promotions to put out a fire stretch a line force a door you know that kind of stuff but once you become that company officer and i know i'm kind of going off task but um there's stuff in relation to to change and, and aspects of that that we're not trained for you know we don't they don't teach you how to deal with a person in the back of your truck going through a divorce they don't person you know they don't teach you about somebody having a substance abuse problem they don't teach you about you know the life stuff per se uh-huh. um that that's going to roll down to you as the company officer that you're going to have to you're going to have to manage um because you know we get we get folks that come in every day and we can tell we work with them for 24 hours when they're having a good day or a bad day and as a company officer you know i want everybody to have a good day but something's happened in the 48 hours that they're away from us that you know we couldn't change we couldn't do anything about but we have to deal with it right you know if the bell hits and we've got that call and they're not in the right mindset so you know not sorry to go off topic a minute but there's a there's a there's a lot of aspects of change that can happen once you're promoted or whether you're in the back of the truck um that i think is i think any person can affect change mm-hmm. i guess is the best way to put it uh, regardless of of their well bugles are on their collar you can affect change whether you're the the senior guy in the back of the truck or you know like i said i've got a new guy in the back of my truck and i i can see the dynamic of my crew change just with with him being in there right. we can't just do things you know because that's the way we've always done it because we know that's how we did it you don't know how we did it um so we've got to teach him how we do it okay all right um just i just want to ask a question so are you for outside assessors or are you for departments to keep it internal just for the fact that the internal individuals would know would know candidate abc compared to oh i'm just reading candidate abc off a sheet but i don't i don't really know that 364 days out of the year they're not really into the job right hey, no don't get me wrong I, i'm for the outside folks i think you need an outside uh reflection of of what that person is because a lot of times those outside assessors if they've done the job for a while they can see through the bs okay they can see those those coached people um but i think also that we should have my personal opinion we should have our folks sitting somewhere in the realm of those assessments you know not necessarily necessarily driving the conversation um on how that person is on a daily basis but, um, you know, getting a feel of what they're saying and making good notes until you can relay back to that, that firefighter to, to, so to help them to understand what their strengths and weaknesses and stuff like that are. Because um, we're, we're not doing them any good if we don't help them, um, if they don't get promoted. If they're not number one, two, three, what do you know, every, how many promotions there are. Right. Um, if we don't, give them that insight on what to make them better is. Okay. Right. And, and and that person can take that with a grain of salt, you know, 
well, that person don't know me. They don't, you know, and hopefully a lot of people, it's, it's hard for them to take criticism. You know, mm-hmm. um, when you sit down and you look at what somebody writes about you, you know, you read your own biography about what you did per se um, and how somebody interpreted what you did. Sometimes that's a tough pill to swallow, especially for the person that don't know you. And that's the first time that they've, they've met you, um, you know, uh, and I think that's where it kind of goes hand in hand where somebody from inside your organization plays a part in, um, and what's going on with that person. Okay. All right. Just wanted to clarify that one. Uh, last question for you, in your opinion, what do you think the American fire service can improve on? You know, it's in my time, you know, 20 plus years on the job as a career and my volunteer time. I mean, there's always a ton of stuff we can improve on. And some people may not think they're improvements. You know, some people may think that, you know, changing a firefighter's mind is all, you know, oftentimes a pretty tough job to do. Um, This is the way we've done it. You know, everything's got to be the same way all the time. Um, But there's always a ton of stuff, you know, um, technology is always evolving, evolving. Right. Um, the stuff that's coming out from UL, looking at those studies, you know, I enjoy teaching and I enjoy teaching folks that want to learn. You know, it, it, it always stinks when you're with that group that's that's there because they got to be there and that's not what they want to do kind of mm-hmm. thing. Um, it empowers me when I'm teaching a group that want to learn and want to know what's going on. And when I teach a recruit class, you know, those folks, they, they're there. You know, my hopes are they want to learn. They want to be better firefighters. They want to learn the job. Um, so right there, it starts with the American Fire Service for them and what their understanding of it is. So we have to explain it to them what it is, you know. And like the UL stuff that's come out, you know, the main things I teach in, in our recruit classes are – or fire behavior and building construction. You know, I might have a touch of trucky in me. Um, don't say it too loud, but I enjoy forcing doors and cutting holes and throwing ladders. I was going to ask you. In, okay. I kind of landed in the rescue world, um, but I enjoy teaching the fire behavior and the building construction side of it because, you know, it, it's if I can understand how a building's built, I can understand better how it's going to burn. So, you know, when I go to that 1950s house versus that 2020 house, how it's going to affect, you know, and that's that's huge in the American Fire Service. I follow a lot of folks overseas and how they do things differently. And, you know, American Fire Service, we can kind of crack on what they do, but um, it works for them. So don't discredit what works for them. Find what works for us and continue to evolve from that. You know, put water on the fire, you know, find those victims, learn how to search well, all that kind of stuff we have to be good at. Um, and that that's huge. And, you know, from the day that recruit walks in the door, we've got to teach them that, you know, this job is, is bigger than they probably anticipated. You know, we there's more stuff that we have to do on a daily basis. Um, and that's probably the one largest thing I've seen change in the American fire service. Um, just here in our little County is what we do. 
you know, they always talk about we're the jack of all trades, but we're essentially the handyman of the emergency services. You know, we, it doesn't matter what it is, they're going to call us to try to fix their problem. So we have to have that ability to somewhat, if we can't fix it, know who to call to fix their problem. And um, the more we get better at that, the better off we are. Um, the more stuff we see, you know, you, you talk about in older classes I've been to, you talk about that slide tray in your head. You know, one time that happened. Um, this is what we did, and it didn't work or it did work, that kind of stuff. You know, we've got to keep the new generation of firefighters coming in today, building that slide tray of what's going on um, to make them better for, you know, Lord knows what we're going to, you know, they're going to see in their 30-year careers as they go through as, as much as we've seen in our careers change, um, you know, there's, there's a whole different aspect of things that can change in, in that amount of time. Okay. All right. Is there anything, uh, I always like to let the guests, like if there's something, something you want to say or something that you feel truly passionate about, like, is there anything you would like to say for anyone else to hear? Cause you know, everybody has their, has their niche or uh, something that they're, they're really passionate about. Right. So, you know, like I said, I kind of landed in the, the rescue world early on in my career. And, um, you know, I loved riding the back of the truck. If um, not saying that that was my favorite place to be, I, I enjoy being a company officer more than anything, but, you know, I landed in the rescue world. And then, you know, give or take, that's that's some people's thing and some people it's not. But um, we have a lot of – we get to do a lot of stuff. I get to see a lot of things. I get to go a lot of places. That's really cool. Um, I think that's been the biggest take of, of my career, of what I've got to be able to do and see just from our small town. Uh, you know, big big cities, big places, you know, they get to see and do more in some, as in some aspects. But – when you look at the the whole gamut is as small as we are sometimes and the stuff we get to do, um, I think it's a pretty cool, pretty cool gig to have. You know, sometimes people aren't, you know, nobody's the rescue world of things uh, is, is pretty large is what we have to do and all the training that we have to do and stuff like that. But it kind of goes back to my, my grandpa used to, I used to get off the school bus at his house and, He'd meet us down there for a snack and he'd go, what'd you learn today? I think that can relate to the fire service too. It's, it's no different. Go to the job, go to work and learn something. You know, it may not be something this mind blowing, but do get better at something every day. You're on shift. Um, unfortunately, you know, not for unfortunately, but fortunately for me, you know, the main Folks that I'm around are firefighters. The stuff that I do are fire related. Mm -hmm. um, so seeing what other people are doing, what other people learn from social media, good, bad, and different, we can learn a lot from what other people are doing. And, you know, and when you put yourself out there on social media on what you're doing, you know, you you get a world of critics. Um, but it also – can put a world of positivity out there for what you are doing, what what you're sharing, what your message is, and stuff like that. 
and kudos to you for this podcast. I've been listening to some of the folks you have had on here, and I'm kind of like, man, do I really hold up to these guys, you know, they've got on here? Yeah. Um, but putting yourself out there and trying to make our job better, that's that's huge. And that's what um, – if we could get everybody to bite in on that and do that, um, you know, we don't have to beat everybody down every day. You know, right. you get the keyboard warriors out there that – they want to they want to talk about something, but they're not putting themselves out there. They're not, you know, doing it besides being a critic and saying, "Oh, that's not going to work. That's not going." But if you put yourself out there and you fail, you know, somebody else is going to learn from your failure. So I think that's that's pretty huge in in what we do. But we just uh, it our line of work. We have to. We have to stay on the forefront of things, and we're always behind the curveball. We've got to be, yeah. you know, a lot of departments out there are reactive instead of proactive. And I like to think our department, for the most part, is proactive. We see things coming at us, um, what's going to happen down the road, and instead of reacting when that happens and then what are we going to do type aspect, we're, we're ready for it type deal, you know, the best that we can be to still mm-hmm. be a small-town department. Um, to be, you know, I, I was one of the main contributors to our rescue truck and I'm like, that's a huge truck. You know, we get those guys that, what do you need that for? We didn't build the truck for today. We built it for the next 10 years, you know, right. um, cause there's no telling where our town's going to go from there. So, you know, it's, it's, um, it's an ever evolving fire service. And like your earlier question, the, the fire service worldwide is continually growing, changing, and we all have aspects we can learn from. Absolutely. Absolutely. hundred percent. Well, Cap, I appreciate it. I appreciate having you on. You're taking your time to, uh, to come on and talk some shop with me. Um, it's been a Thank good you message. For having me. It's been, yeah. been a blast. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I, I love the little nuggets that you put out there for hopefully others to capture grasp uh, for, for those that don't know you that you know they they got a little a little snippet of it and you know if they want to know some more like you said you're easily reachable and uh, i'm sure you'll sit down and talk shop with anybody that wants to talk shop with you absolutely i enjoy it sit down have a cup of coffee all right there you go well it's good man thank you very much thank you danny if any of the listeners out there are or know of a great firefighter who embodies the principles of being a great communicator goal-oriented hardworking humble, passionate, and professional, regardless of rank, career, or volunteer, contact me at studentofthegamefirepodcast at gmail.com. Until next time, stay focused, stay committed, and stay safe.